There we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another interview for the Fight Site uh, tonight and today for her. Uh, I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing uh, Cindy uh, Marichit. Uh, I hope I didn't just butcher that, even though you just told that to me two seconds ago. No, you got it. You got it right. There we go. Uh, well, for those of you who don't know and uh, are, are not really, you know, aware of the sport of Muay Thai as much as we should, and if you aren't, you should definitely check out Ryan Wagner's work uh, for the fight site. Uh, Cindy is a uh, former Muay Thai world champion, amateur, and also professional. So uh, your list of titles that you sent me was, I was just looking down, I'm like, oh, damn. So just to name a few of them, uh, and from my understanding, uh, some of the most important ones is the IFMA 2009 world title at 67 kilograms. And uh, my understanding is that's actually the number one uh, amateur organization in the world, if I'm not mistaken. You also are the 2009-2010 WMC world title uh, holder at uh, 69 and 66 kilograms, correct? That's correct. So first off, Cindy, how are you doing? How's everything? Uh, hopefully you and your family are doing well. It's kind of a crazy time, obviously, so hopefully everyone's doing well. Um, oh, we, are, we are all pretty good, actually, thank God. So um, thank you for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Um, I'm really excited for this interview. Uh, as many of our, our listeners know, I'm a grappler. I'm a MMA uh, aficionado. I really like to analyze those sports. And I'm kind of, you know, I wouldn't say I'm new to Muay Thai, but I definitely am. It's not one of the, the combat sports that I'm most familiar with. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited to get into this interview. And my first question really is, is about your entry into the sport. Um, how did you get involved in it? What drew you to the to, to the sport in the first place? And, you know, just tell us how you became you, I guess. Okay. Um, well, I wasn't interested in the sport at all. At, at all. So uh, when I was 15, I was working in a, a corner shop after school, just earning a little bit of extra cash. And my, and my boss at the time, uh, he owned the martial arts school. And he said to me when I turned 18 that I, I should learn some form of self-defense. And I wasn't interested. I thought, why would I, why would I need that? And to get me to, say, to go to a class, he gave me a free ticket to a kickboxing show. So I went along. That did not entice me at all. I thought, <laughs> why would you get into the ring and get your face punched in? <laughs> why, would, why, why would you do that? Like... <laughs> That was not the way to go about to try and encourage me to learn kickboxing or any sort of martial art or self-defense. I thought, why would you do that? Like, who who wants to get punched in the face? Certainly not not me. <laughs> but, you know, um, he had another tactic. So he actually went through via my friend and gave her free self-defense classes. And she dragged me along as her guinea pig because she needed someone to practice with. So that's how it started. And and when I went to the class, because I just went along with her, I started to notice that um, there was actually technique involved. It wasn't just about, you know, that person punching that person and they get hit in the face and, and it's just a brawl. It wasn't a brawl. You actually had to be quite smart. It was quite technical. And um, knowing the timing of when to do things, um, the strategy behind it is what really in intrigued me. And because I'm more of an academic, 
that strategy is what um, attracted me to the actual learning of a martial art. But the way I got into kickboxing was downstairs while I was learning a little bit of this self-defense stuff, there was an Australian kickboxing champion there. This big guy with big legs, like kicking kicking the crap out of the bag. And I was just in awe, you know, in absolute awe, the power that he could generate. And I just said to him, you know, I was young at the time, I was 18. I said, oh, you know, John, I held up a kick shield and I said, oh, come on, John, show, like, show us some kicks. And he held it for me and I just started kicking. I just like the feeling of it. I just like the feeling of um, of kick. I thought, oh, this actually feels good. Um, so then what happened was I actually continued. My friend dropped off. So um, and then how I got into fighting, I know. So I That's stayed. Great. That's great, actually. You know. So my boss at the time won. His strategy worked. So I, I did. I, I did stay with it, but um, I never thought I was going to fight ever so i thought i was just going to learn um you know some kickboxing some self-defense and um yeah just pretty much carry along that 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 journey then came a point where i said to my coach i said how do i know this stuff works you know how, how do i know and i said oh, oh i wouldn't mind have, having the fight and he, and he <laughs> said flat out, no no he told you no no he said no i'm not going to teach you how to fight so at this point, he was showing me all the counterfighting moves, you know, like your parries, right. your check, check counter, moving backwards, all your circling, but not more like your attack. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, he said, flat out, no, I'm not going to teach you how to fight. And um, I said to him, look, I, I begged him for about three months, like pretty much. I said, look, I really want to give just, just one. I just want to see, I just want to try, I just want to... Um, see how it works, see what I can do, see what I can do um, under pressure. And he said to me, because if you can get through this training regime, he goes, for a week, I'll get your fight. And that was pretty much history from, from that. I thought I'd only have one fight mm -hmm. and, that, and, and that was it. I thought, oh, I'll just try one more. But I never envisaged that I'll go, oh, wouldn't mind being a world champion. <laughs> you know, because I plan on being a advertising guru. I was at university at, the, at this stage. That's uh, absolutely nuts. So yeah. you, okay. So just to just to recap this, you had no interest. Went to a fight, were completely turned off. Ended up getting dragged by your friend. You continued. They dropped yes. off. You yes. decided, why not? Let me fight. And then you became a world champion. Well, yes. there's probably some middle ground there, but yes. <laughs> which we'll cover. But that's a that's incredible because. So many fighters that I speak with, when I talk to them, they're like, oh, yeah, I just always loved fighting. And this was just the natural out. Like, I just always fought with everybody. I was, like, fighting my brother, my this, my that, my friends at school. And you're just like, oh, no, uh, no, nah, I never. No, no, no. I, 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 I wanted to be a dancer. <laughs> I wanted to be a dancer. I didn't want to. Um, no, fighting wasn't even on my radar. That's really cool. That's really cool. I wasn't cool. Really athletic, so I was like this skinny, you know, skinny girl, non-athletic, you know, from being that to being a wrecking machine. <laughs> <laughs> so was it just, so jumping off of that, was it just a gradual growth of, of, I guess, love and wanting to be turned towards this? Or was it like a switch that just flipped and you're like, this is what I want to do? 
My coach said to me, um, I'm a high achiever, so naturally I like to be the best. Right. You know, even though I was at school, like I wanted to get the best marks, mm-hmm. you know. So that was – I was naturally – Anything I, I, I put my mind to, I wanted to be good at. So whether I was going to do kickboxing or whether I would have, you know, done swimming or whatever, I still would have ex- – I, I would have excelled. Right. You know? Um, but in terms of um, in terms of fighting, I just didn't think that I'd ever um, – because back in those days, women didn't really fight. Right. This is before so, even in, – in, Yeah. It didn't it didn't even it didn't even occur to me now i i had my second fight and i thought oh, i'll just have one more and i just <laughs> you know um but yeah i just didn't think i'd ever um i didn't even think i'd ever become it, it took me 10 years to get a world title right yeah what um so it kind of was just like it seemed like it kind of just crept up on you oh, i'll just do one more i'll just do one more i'll just do one more and then before you knew it Ten years later, like you said, you're getting a world title shot. It it, it became it became my life. It's just something that um, I just started to become obsessed with, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to get really good at. It. I then I, I just loved doing it. I just loved. I that's all I could think about. All all I could think about was my kickboxing um, training. You know, I was at uni at this time. I was planning on you know becoming an advertising guru, and on all I could think about was training. And and wanted to fight again, and just just to keep to keep learning. So it was a natural progression, but um, but like I said, I just didn't to get a world title. It's such a long process, and it's such a long 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 journey, you know, to get to to get to that level. Basically, I did a backflip, wanting to, you know, being corporate to being a, a professional fighter. <laughs> it's so, kind of, I I I am literally the flip side of that. I wanted to be a fighter and ended up just having a corporate job situation. So it's actually the exact opposite for me. And I, I wish I wish I did what you did, to be honest. But I, I actually, so I finished university. I did my degree. I went on and did my honours. I was still fighting. And I, st- and I had my own school. So during this period, I set up my own martial arts school. Okay. So you started teaching really early on, it sounds like, into your career. Well, sort of. I said to my coach because we we're training out of the out of, out of scout hall, and I, and I hated. It. I was getting shin splints. So I said, and I said to him, "Look, I will help you if you set up a martial arts school. If you finance it, I will run it, and I'll get free training." So that's how. So that's how our school started, and I only just sold it um, back in June. So, so only, I, yeah. So. That, so that's so I guess that's a natural lead and I guess to my next question on, on your, your training style and, and mentality towards training because you're obviously uh, I mean you were you were that's all you could think about but how did you actually train what was your style where you I guess because I don't know how Muay Thai stylists generally train I know how MMA fighters train I know how grapplers train is it similar are there differences I know that MMA fighters tend to uh, go hard almost all the time and same yeah. with jujitsu because there's no striking so you can tend to go harder but with muay thai kickboxing boxing it's all striking is there a, a large difference in the way you train uh, the methods 
No, it's um, it's hard every day. It's okay. five or six days a week. Um, you know, it could be it's mainly two times a day training. So you mm -hmm. you can train between four to five hours a, a day. Um, but that's five to six days a week, and it's hard. It's hard on your body. Um, to have that. You know, people often say to me, they've they've watched me train. You guys, your intensity does not train change from the Monday to the Friday. It's still up here. Every day, I don't I don't drop. It just kind of every, every day is exactly the same. So, and there's a bit of a mentality behind it as well. And um, people often ask me, guys, how can you do e each round hard, and then actually every round you get better. And my answer to that is, I tell myself I've only just started. <laughs> I've just told myself, so I don't say, oh, I'm up to round four. I should be feeling this. I tell myself it's round one. And you'd be surprised with how much more energy you have if you, if you kind of just change your mindset. So I, I don't say, oh, it's Friday. I've done all of this training. I can take it easy. No, it's Monday. It's I'm, always I'm, Monday and it's always the first round. So it's always Monday. It's always the first round. That's really, and this was your training, I guess, mentality and style throughout your career, or as you, I guess, became more and more experienced and went along, kind of changed the style, or was it always just hard five days a week? I was, I was always intense. So basically, my trainer had to tell me to slow down and to tell me to stop, whereas I was just always at 110%. He used to say to me, You pay to train at 80% today. <laughs> and even prior, when we'll start to train, I'll, I'll question what our intent is. So if we're doing technique, I need to know we're focusing on technique so I know that I can I don't have to be exerting so, so much. But if I'm working on power, then I'm going to go 150%. Right. So we had to communicate. We had to communicate because I need to know what's going on. <laughs> that kind of makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Um so now I guess the there's the, the training aspect, but what about the um, sparring aspect? Uh, how much of training in those hours was dedicated towards sparring and of sparring? How much of it was dedicated towards hard sparring, you know, 80, 90%, 100% even, like as if you're in a fight, I guess? Okay. So um, say, say out of camp, mm -hmm. you can spar every day, but it'll only be quite quite light. So we're mainly focusing on technique um, and you can do that every day. And sometimes I'll do, you know, four or five rounds of sparring at the end of each session or five, six rounds of sparring. But leading up to a fight, um, you you do, I was doing at least two to three times a week of hard sparring. Wow. And then, and yeah, so two to three times a week of hard sparring, um, you can gear up if you, if you want to, but it's funny because the week prior, so I don't spar seven, uh, seven to ten days out before a fight. But right. prior to that, because you end up in this mentality in this zone, and I've walked into the gym before, and um, I say I'd sparred the day before, and my coach said to me once, he goes, just don't hurt him today. Just don't hurt him. <laughs> you know? And I walked in, and the poor guy, my poor training partner, he's got a black eye, his legs oh, caught. And that was from the day before. That was from us training the, the day before. But so, yeah, you, you naturally kind of lift that intensity prior to, but as soon as you're not in fight, in like in fight camp, you know, you, you just have fun with it. You, you have fun with your sparring. Um, so, 
the the I guess there's there's certain uh, things about your style that that are now going to come up and you you know we were speaking a little bit before and you know there's a reason I believe you said the reason there was a reason why you were called the knee machine so I want to talk about your style specifically and how you developed it or was it something you were naturally drawn to is it specifically how you were trained you have a very kick heavy style from the outside at least from the footage I was able to find and also the clinch you 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 that you immediately try to grab a hell of that clinch as soon as the opponent was trying to close the distance and you had a really just I love intercepting these they're one of my favorite strikes to see in any uh combat sport that involves you know kicking and knees so how did you develop that style you know how long did it take before you to get comfortable with the style was there a time where you were kind of changed up your style I'm just curious how you developed it and you know so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I started out kickboxing. Okay. So kickboxing and Muay Thai are two different sports. Can you give now a we, Can you give a small yeah. explanation of that? Yeah. So if you if you look at boxing, can you see how they they dance around a lot? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot there's a lot of movement. Mm -hmm. And so kickboxing is very similar, whereas Muay Thai is not. Muay, Muay Thai, you kind of like stay in the in the pocket, and you, you throw everything is hard. Okay, so it's so there's not really setups. Uh, well, now of course there are setups, but it's you're gonna have more pocket exchanges compared to those other sports. Yeah, it's whereas in kickboxing you move around a lot and it's more you know point. It's a, there's a lot of volume of right. of uh, of strikes. Whereas in Muay Thai, it's not about how much you throw; it's how hard you throw and how devastating your actual blow is. Mm -hmm. And even the um, your stance and your posture is different. From a kickboxer to a Thai boxer, a kickboxer can have a little bit more of a broken posture. The upper body can be a little bit more broke. Same with a boxer; they can be quite hunched over and quite low. Whereas in Muay Thai, you just want to do that, you know, because it's, it's a, a lot of it is about off balancing your opponent. Aha! Uh -huh. So those those trips and throws from the clinch uh, score work very well, is my understanding, right? Yeah, but you don't do that in kickboxing, so you can have that little bit of that broken posture, which I like mm -hmm. called broken posture. In um, in you can be a bit more relaxed in your upper body in mm -hmm. kickboxing, but you, but you can't be like that in 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 Muay Thai. So how so how I transitioned um from kickboxing to Muay Thai, I had a shoulder injury, like a left shoulder, so I couldn't use my arm. And it was, it was getting to the point where I was, I was, I was training with one hand and two, and two legs. And I went to a Muay Thai seminar. And um, that's when I was introduced to it. I went to an, uh, a, a seminar held by Ajahn Chai. And that's when I realized I can use my elbows, I can have knees, and, and there are these other weapons. I didn't have to rely on throwing a um, jab. So, and, I, and I said to my coach, I said, I want to train Muay Thai. So he wasn't teaching Muay Thai. He, was, he came from a boxing, kickboxing background. Okay. And I said, I want to, I want to do Muay Thai. And um, yeah, the story gets better. So I ended up, I got caught up for a fight to do a, a Thai boxing fight um, in a, as Australian, as for an Australian title. And I, 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 I took the fight and so I had never really trained Muay Thai. So I basically was just adding, I was a kickboxer and I added a few knees. In the second round, yeah, I know. In, in the second round, I actually got dropped with a, a knee, and I, I couldn't get back up. Oh shit! <laughs> I couldn't get back up, and 
so that's the only time I, I had actually well, technically been um, dropped and knocked out, I guess you could say it's a knockout. <laughs> um, and I, I turned to my coach and I said, I'm, I'm going to Thailand. I'm going oh, to Thailand. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, that year, um, yeah, we organised a, a, a trip to Thailand and I was there for a, a month and I went to Ajahn Chai's place in um, in Bangkok, and he and he said to me, he goes, he goes, do you want pretend Muay Thai, or you want real Muay Thai? Which which meant he, he was saying he was asking me, do you want to go to a commercial gym, or do you want something really authentic? And I'm like, no, give me the real stuff. This van turned up. We get into this. Van. I had no idea where I was going. No idea. Didn't know. Didn't know the driver. Didn't didn't know the people. Ended up five hours southeast of Bangkok, not a single white person there. I stayed in a hut with cold water and a bed that was like concrete. And, yeah, I know. You got in a van, an unmarked yeah. van, told, yeah. you're going to see real Muay Thai, drove five hours, and <laughs> this, is, this is, like, I'm trying to picture, like, somebody saying, get in the van in the U.S., I don't think it ends the same way that it did for you in Thailand. I know. I, I, I don't know what I like, Even just saying this out loud, I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, I at least could have got some details of where I was going. <laughs> but, so so we, got, we, got dropped off. we got dropped off. And then next, I got told that I was going to get a knock on the door at 6 a.m. and to be ready. So I got a knock on the door and this little Thai dude um, couldn't speak English, just ushered me over to get into the ute and there was these Thai guys in there these Thai guys so got into a ute <laughs> I got into a ute <laughs> okay. dropped, us off in the, dropped us off in the middle of the road I had to run behind these guys and the, these ties and I had never seen cars have you ever watched uh, many Thai fights have you seen the Thai fighters I have I have watched it through through the fight site colleagues who who really you know are they're Muay Thai aficionados. They're fans. Like, that's who I first approached to ask about you, actually. And they're like, oh, yeah, I know she is. I think one of the guys actually watched you way back in the day. He said, yeah, I think I watched her live, actually, one time way back in the early, late 2000s or something like that. I'm like, yeah, glad yeah. I asked you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they're, 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 they're body types. Yeah, I know you're talking about that. Yeah, you know, they've got really big calves. And we're, we're running up this hill. and. You know, then we, then 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 he picked us up and he then he drove us to the camp, and I watched these Thai guys train. Like I'm talking a hundred kicks, boom, 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 and um and they said to and they said to me, you know, basically, well, in broken English, well, however they could, could communicate that they'll come in back in the afternoon and to and to be ready. <laughs> <laughs> when they when they came back, the same thing happened because he couldn't speak English. I got into the back of the he dropped us off somewhere in the middle of the road and and we had to run and so the ute was behind us so if we didn't run fast enough he was running us over uh it's motivation yeah. it's motivation that's for sure but i didn't know how far i was running and i think we'll run just over 10 kilometers so um to the camp and then um i just said to, i said to uh, the tired trainer's wife because she could speak a little bit of english i said i want him to teach me how to clinch a knee don't worry about the kicks, just clinch a knee. And, and that's how I pretty much learned. So this this gym was had no white people. I had just authentic ties training. 
Um, we had a couple of young boys that were, I don't know, maybe about eight or nine that were running with us. They had no shoes on. So I'm, I'm running in a $200 pair of sneakers and they've got no shoes on. That's, that sounds like Thailand. That yeah. sounds like what you hear the stories of Thai fighters training, honestly. Yeah. That's so crazy. This, so this camp, it, had, it didn't have any mats or anything. So you're training on concrete. And the bags were like concrete. So I learned how to knee. And I had to take photos because back in those days, we did, well, we did have a video, but we didn't have the, the technology as we did today. So I took, I've still got photos of where I took photos of how they were showing me how to knee. And I, and I was I was really lucky that the um, Thai trainer said to me, he said, basically, I'm going to teach you everything. So he gave me a really good found, foundation. Um but that's how I learned to knee, and, and I basically need and need. I need to the point they they thought I was crazy because my knees were bleeding. Oh, so I had blood. I had cut open my knees, and I, and I was kneeing through because I thought that's what you do. You're a tie, right? You must be tough. <laughs> yeah, and they 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 thought I was tough because I kept training through. I had um, cuts like that on my knee. I've still got scars from 2005 where it got infected because I just kept kneeing, kneeing through it and um, blood just through, through the training session, just blood pouring down my legs, you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I, that's first. Okay, so this was for one month and then you went back. So yeah. when you went back, what, what did you do from there? Like you went back to your gym. How did you continue to, I guess cultivate what you were able to learn there and also holy crap that's insane but sorry go on yeah well because i wrote everything down too okay. so i went back and just practiced what i had um i had learned and then luckily enough a couple of months later i actually bought brought that tie trainer out and okay. he stayed with me for three months so basically i got a lot more training and then from that point on I just flew back and forth from Thailand. I'll go maybe once or twice a year, just going back, learning, coming back, just training that, going back again, coming back. So that's how I developed my skill. But in terms of um, the transitioning from a kickboxer to, um, to Muay Thai was quite hard mm -hmm. because I went from dancing around to having to stay still and changing mm -hmm. my posture. So that, that took some time to get used to. Mm -hmm. But that's how I ended up becoming the knee machine. But I, and, my, and my clinch became very strong because right. in Muay Thai, when you, when you clinch, if you don't know how to clinch, it's really tiring. You can get very tired very quickly. And when, and you, when you get a, a strong clincher who can grab you, you are gone. If you don't have those clinch, if you don't have that um, um, strength, you are gone. Like you can cop a knee to the head. It, it's, it's, game, it's game over very quickly. So uh, it's actually specifically something I wanted to, to ask you about because in, 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 in your fights, uh, when, when you get the clinch, um, the, the first fight I watched, I don't recall uh, her name, but she was trying, she was having very little to no success on the outside because your kicks were just completely, you were able to kick her from the outside and she really didn't have many answers. And when she tried to punch her way into range, you were able to kind of lock up the clinch and, you know, use the knees. But she was trying to kind of punch her way 
both into the into range and also punch her weight in the clinch as well. While you were more focused on throwing the knees, uh, some of the punches landed, but most of them seemed to be kind of glancing. Is there, in your mind, and you knew you won immediately after that fight. You, you walked around raising your arms. You knew you won. Uh, in Muay Thai, is there a hierarchy of, of, of scoring uh, for that differs from other kickbo like kickboxing, or, um, for example? And is that also what fed into your style as well, that you were choosing the higher scoring strikes? I wasn't choosing the highest highest scoring strikes. I I like to consider myself an an all rounder. Okay. I can box really well. I can kick really well. I can knee really well. But that particular fight you're you're talking about, that's where my name came from, and it kind of stuck. Okay. So they just assumed, and yeah, I, I do love my knees. I do love to clinch, but I have won fights on just with hands. Like I knocked a girl out with with you know with punches. You know. Um, so I never really like. I never really wanted to limit myself to um, one particular style of fighting. I like to be able to pull out whatever I needed. But obviously, I favoured my um, clinching and my knees. Right. But in terms of um, the scoring in Muay Thai, yes, of course, the the kicks do kicks and knees do score higher as opposed to um, punching. But it's all relative. The, the Muay Thai scoring is a little bit different. It's not really based on how many strikes. But obviously a kicker and knee will win over a puncher. Right. So you were at an advantage because of your, your higher level of skill in those areas compared to apparently most of your opponents. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about your your big win at the IFMA. Uh, I want to know, first of all, obviously, how, you said that it took you 10 years to get to that point. So in the lead up to to winning the, the, the world title, you know, talk to me about, I guess, the, the training camp and I guess talking to me about the, the style matches, because I don't know if it's like MMA where you get a chance to kind of scout your opponents beforehand and really have proper training camps dedicated towards specific uh, opponents or not. I, I'm assuming, was the IFMA a specific tournament? Or is it like a, so can you give me a background on how it's set up, how you're able to train and, and prepare for your opponents and also the actual win itself and what that meant to you, obviously? Yeah, well, um, with IFMA, what's so special about it as a fighter is um, it's challenging because you don't know who you're going to fight. You don't know who's going to turn up. You don't know who's in your, um, who's in the draw. So you have to prepare so differently that you have to have full confidence and be prepared for any scenario. Okay. Does, does that make sense? Because you're not preparing for just one um, person. Mm -hmm. It's not a super fight. To... It's a whole. It's a. It's a field of tournament. A uh, field of competitors that you just whoever you get, you get. Yeah, whoever you get, you get. So. Um, in the ISMA, they they do make you wear the, the body armor and the headgear. Because mm -hmm. it is a round robin, so you you could fight three or four times in the uh, one one week, and mm -hmm. that was mainly geared towards the fact that they, they they're really trying to push the Muay Thai into the Olympics, so they need to have some sort of protective gear in order gotcha. to be able to get into to be able to be recognised as an Olympic mm -hmm. sport. So um, the IFMA's huge. You've got over 120 countries competing. It's it's um it's massive. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that you had to fight three to four times in the one week, but also your weight cuts, you're cutting weight 
three to four times that week too. Um, you have to you have to train, which I didn't do for the for the 2009. I actually changed my training up. I didn't wear the training like the protective armor and, and the headgear while I was training because I found it just hindered my performance in the actual gym. I I trained maybe maybe a week prior just to get used to it a little bit, you know, because um, I hated wearing it. Right. Um, yeah. So did 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 that. Obviously, it didn't hinder your performance. So, no. how how many fights did you have in that in that specific tournament? I think, uh, and also, I guess, just like, I guess, if you could just tell us what that meant to you. Obviously, I meant, I imagine it meant the world to you. So, it's just kind of something I wanted to know about. Um, what was that like? What was your feeling? You know, after it happened, and your thoughts after the fact. Like, you know, if you could tell us about that. I I think that was my fourth or fifth entry into the IFMA World Championships and I, and I fell short <laughs> every time. I got bronze, bronze, silver, you know. Um, and I, I just wanted, I just, especially in 2009, I just wanted it so bad. Um, that, that was a, that was, that was, 2009 was really important because in 2008, I had quite a bad year in terms of in, in the ring. I, I lost three fights in a, in a row. You know, and that was like I don't like to lose. And 2009, between 2009 and 2010, I had a, a massive mental transformation where I actually won three world titles. So I went from losing three in a row to winning three world titles. So there's a there was a massive shift. There was a massive massive shift from 2008 to 2009 for me mentally. Well, what what changed? <laughs> Well, see, as a fighter, for me personally, I was never really fighting my opponent. It's always, you know, you're always fighting yourself. In 2008, just I just had this self-doubt, um, didn't think I was, you know, worthy of winning and um, just a lot, so much negativity, not not in my fights, but it was in my training. Mm-hmm. And nothing was ever good enough. And then when I lost the third fight, I just, I just got sick of myself. I got sick of my own attitude. So I just completely just turned it right around. I thought, you know what? I actually deserve this. I trained so hard, and I'm 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 throwing my I'm throwing my fights because I'm not believing in myself. Because even prior to the, those three losses, and where I had won my uh, fights, they weren't good enough. I could have done better. So I never gave myself a pat on the back. And then what happened was I ended up losing the next three. Is- so even if you win. It, it wasn't good enough. Right. And even prior to 2008, I had won two Australian titles. I won two Oce- I already won four championships, but it wasn't good enough. And that was draining you mentally. It was draining me. They ended up losing three in a row, and I went, "No, nah, I've had, I've had enough of this." So I ended up, um, yeah, completely switched. And even in 2009, on on the morning of the gold medal fight. The coach, what the, the the coach, one of the coaches from the Australian team said to me, he said, I knew you were gonna win, you guys, just by the look in your eye that that morning. Nothing was gonna stop me. When you're that sure that you're that you're gonna win and you feel when you're mentally that um strong, nothing will stop you. Nothing. It translates into your training, translates into into the um into the ring. Um, so it was a it was a very big moment for me to win the uh, two thousand and nine 
if my world championships and also I was sponsored mm -hmm. too. So I had people that uh, believed in me. So that was a really big thing. It's something that I give back. Um, but yeah, fighting multiple times in the, in the one week, it's not an easy task, but it's quite rewarding once you win. But it, talking about your opponents, in my first fight, I fought a girl from the USA mm -hmm. and she was shorter than me. And so I had to try and stop her. So I did a lot of kicking. And in the second fight, uh, there's a girl from Belarus and I spent more time clinching and uh, grappling. Then in my third fight, I ended up, I was in the finals with a girl from Finland and she was a kicker. So when I saw that I was up against her, I knew that I had to counterfight her kick. She was, a, she was very quick and very good with her kicks. So I had, and I had to counterfight um, her, her kicks and, and take it down a lot. So that's how I, that's how I won the fight, um, my IFMA World Championship fight. Can you give a, a bit of a, I guess, an insight into how how in that fight you maybe you did the counter to her kick? Like what what kind of strategy, what techniques you were using to counter her kicks and, like you said, to 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 win the fight, I guess, to grapple. I, I basically, kick. yeah, I basically caught her kicks and took and took her down. I took a leg out. Mm -hmm. um, I also I came in close, so her kick would wrap around me. So I got into the clinch. So mm -hmm. I just timed it where I just I took away her I took away her strength. And also when she kicked, I went for a low leg kick. And it's, I don't have it up on, on YouTube, but I should put it up. But you can actually see when I've taken her leg out and she flips and falls down. She's going to keep taking her leg out. So I've timed it like that because I, when I did see her fight, um, I thought I was going to fight the Swedish girl. And she was mm -hmm. more of a boxer. Um, and I was glad I got the kicker because it's <laughs> easier to counter, easier. And... Um, she fought the same. She fought. She fought exactly the same. Whereas I didn't fight the same. So you don't know what you're going to get with me, and that's how I um, train. You can't say, "Oh, she's going to kick. She's going to knee," because I believe in being a being a smart fighter and mm -hmm. being able to be adaptive in the actual ring. So uh, you were essentially an all terrain fighter that could kind of, based on what you were facing, you would change up how you're going to fight. That's exactly right. And in 2014, when when I fought, I fought another. I was actually for another world title, which there was a controversy in the decision. Mm -hmm. They awarded to her, but I felt like it, I was more deserving of it. But that's another story. In the in the first round, as it's a five three minute round fight, I completely changed up my strategy there and there on the on the on the spot. She was she was quite strong. She was really forward. Um, heavy in, in the uh, clinch. I didn't want to clinch her. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to clinch her. It was too draining for me. So I kept moving on the back foot and kept counterfighting. And I, I, I even had one of my cornermen say to me, she's going in for the elbows. And I, and I said to him, I turned to him, I said, don't worry, she's not going to get me with her elbows. I, I, I stopped the knees. I stopped the knees when she came in for the clinch. So when I grabbed her, I actually took her down to the ground. So I actually didn't, I didn't clinch her. I didn't use my knees on her. Mm -hmm. I, I had to completely change. Is there a style that you did feel like you struggled with uh, from just from a stylistic standpoint or things that you, you when you knew you were going to face someone who had a specific style that you were like, okay, this I know is going to be tough. I'm really going to have to figure something out or no? Um, not really. But when they, when you have someone coming at you and mm -hmm. it's, they're a pressure fighter and 
you're throwing and they keep they keep walking through that that's that that's draining that's that that is that's heavy you know because in that ring that there's nowhere to go and we don't go to the ground so it keeps going so mm-hmm. you can have a bit of recovery time you're stuck there so you either <laughs> you have to move basically you have to you have to make them stop and that like you said it's it's draining it's from more from a mental standpoint it's draining or from a, if just or physical or is it just a combination of both it's a it's a physical because they're constantly in your space mm-hmm. constantly there and you're having to work off the back foot okay you know and that uses more energy obviously than being able to stand your ground or move forward on your own because you're just moving you're a lot moving more forward, yeah that's right so you're moving forward you're cutting them off or if it's just toe to toe it's 50 50. Mm-hmm. but you Someone's constantly at you, you know. It's um, it's suffocating. Right. And and how do you, I guess, cut off that forward pressure? Uh, I guess in a in a uh, from a tie style, I guess, um, because like in MMA, you can you can shoot reactive doubles. You can pull showing up against the cage and work the clinch. There's a lot of things that you can do in those sports that you can't do in Muay Thai. So, what are some of the tactics that you would use in a Muay Thai fight, from specifically from a Muay Thai perspective? You have to off balance them. That's not that's number one because they're coming forward. So even if it's a simple, they step forward. You got to wait for them to step so you can take their low leg out. So mm-hmm. they so they then you you counter or then you can move so you can you can catch your breath. So every couple of seconds that you, that you've got is is huge. Does does that right. make sense? Even oh, if yeah. it's three seconds, you've gone backwards now having to come forwards. You can recoup in that in that time. So mm-hmm. off balancing your opponent's quite important in my in my time, whether you're going for the particularly if you're on the on the back foot. Right. Uh, I, I I wanna actually now pivot towards, you know, you as a teacher and an instructor, because like you said, you know, you, you did found your own gym and while you didn't start teaching, you did end up teaching. What mm-hmm. is your, I guess, philosophy towards teaching? Because I mean I've had the the privilege to interview a lot of really high level coaches. I mean, you know, talking to Schwan alone is like a high, you know, he's pretty high level in terms of his analysis and coaching. So, what is your philosophy towards uh, coaching in general? How you teach people? I guess how do you start them off? Someone who's a beginner, someone who's more intermediate, or even an expert themselves. How do you adjust your training, and what is your philosophy towards it? I'm pretty adaptive, so it 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 just depends. Like, if it's a if it's a beginner, I start them from the ground up, okay. from very basic. You know, you you start with your footwork. You know, you, you teach them how uh, where their feet need to be in terms of to attack in order to defend. Because with without that, the kicks, knees, punches, they 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 will be ineffective. So there's there's really no point in in going on. Right. Know? Then I teach them basically just the fundamentals of of each strike, and then we just we just move up from there. You end up putting it together. But in terms of um, so to- coaching and teaching are two different things. Okay. Um, teaching is when you can you you can stand out the front and you can go through a certain number of techniques and. You can just let the students just pick it up, and mm-hmm. you can go around and you can correct them. But coaching for me is when you progress that student individually, what they need. Like I can, I can, 
I can pick up. So if we do some shadow sparring, I can see where they're at and where they need to go and what they need to improve on. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and but with fighters, um, I'm really brutal. There's no <laughs> no that's rest. Probably, uh, that's probably my favorite because I don't uh, baby anyone because in there it's real. You're gonna get hurt. Mm-hmm. You you are going to get hurt if you don't if you don't train properly. Be conditioned for it and be technically sound. Like your technique has to be when when you're feeling tired, your technique will pull you through. You know, I've fought fights where I've been sick and I've still won the fight. So you pull the Jordan with the flu? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've, uh, I've fought, yeah, I've fought where I've, I've had actually, I've had laryngitis and um, I've told the promoter six weeks out, look, I'm actually really, really sick. And right up until four days out, my coach was going to pull me out because I was still really ill. And you just went for it? <laughs> I said to him I, on that particular fight in 2007, so we'll fight for a title fight. Mm-hmm. I said to him, I'm going to go down to Sydney to train if I'm still breathing. So I was having trouble to breathe, let alone train. Right. I said, if, I'm, if, I, if I can breathe, I can, if I can get through those pad rounds, I said, I'm still going to fight in four days' time. I had, I had done no training six weeks prior. I, I couldn't train. I still went in there on the Saturday night, fought five rounds and won. And it was, it was a rematch. <laughs> so you okay it was a rematch meaning they've already fought you know how you fight but they were fighting a version of you that had almost no training whatsoever and you still won correct that has got to suck for them yep. <laughs> that's got to suck for them knowing that they're just like ah oh, they can't even beat the worst possible version of you that's right but that's where that's where school comes in mm-hmm so that's where how, your skill how did in. you fight that fight? I'm curious now because you obviously you were yeah. not going to be a cardio machine at that particular fight. So what did you do to kind of mitigate uh, the more dangerous situations or like, I guess, slow the fight down is my assumption of what you were using a lot? Yeah, I controlled the fight. I, I, I controlled the fight from the center of the ring. Mm-hmm. So I, was in the, I, I made sure that I was in the in the center. Mm-hmm. I didn't move from that position, and I got her to work around. So if you think of a small circle, and I got her to go on the outside. So right. she had to do all the moving while I had the, the minimal movement. So I saved my energy that way, and I, had to, and I was basically going in and out, in and out, in and out, but controlling, controlling the whole fright from the center of the uh, ring. There were moments there which I knew I could have knocked her out, but I just didn't have the energy. I didn't have the energy to follow up. I was just so tired. I was just so tired. Um, I just, I couldn't finish off. Mm-hmm. I thought, I, I'm just going to have to just go five rounds. I'll just have to go because I just don't, if I went two or three more strikes and I didn't land the KO, there would have been an opportunity then for her to see to counter maybe you. a weakness. And I couldn't allow that to happen. So it's a mind game in there too. I was. No, that's actually really interesting because a lot of times fighters, when they know they don't have the tank to go really hard for a significant amount of time, will actually like go for broke in round one. So yeah. to say that you chose, like, I'm going to go five rounds, but at a much slower pace, it's an interesting mm-hmm. tactic. And a lot of fighters don't usually do that. It's just a very interesting tactic. Yeah. So I just changed it. Um, always, there's always more than one way to skin a cat. It's about winning. For sure. You know, I want to. 
I, I wanted to win, but yeah, I I didn't train six weeks for the, for that fight. I trained four days. <laughs> you know what? It takes a lot of guts to get in there to have no training to know that you're going to win and that you want to win. And then <laughs> when when I got to the ring, I had waited five hours prior in the change room. I got to the ring. I went. I'm not ready. And she's in the corner. She was like, you know, hyped stopping up, up and down, all hyper. It was a, it was a rematch. She really wanted to win, right? Because you already so, won the first match. I already won the first match. Did you fight so her a third time? We didn't fight the third time, no. Um, I want to pivot it to something that I know a little bit more about. Thank God, uh, jujitsu, because I also know that you're representing jujitsu blue belt. Uh, when did you start? Yeah training in jiu-jitsu and how did you get into jiu-jitsu and then i guess tell us your journey through jiu-jitsu to today currently yeah so i started um around about 2015 2015 2016 um after i after i had my last fight in muay thai um there wasn't really anywhere i really wanted to go so i thought i would i actually thought i was going to go fight in mma that's where i want i thought okay. i wanted my I wouldn't mind trying something different, but I need to have a ground game. So I enrolled in um, a BJJ school. Then I started doing BJJ, and oh, that and that I was like a fish out of water. Been doing that for twenty years, and you go to a BJJ school, you're studying from scratch, and it really took me back to when I first started kickboxing, starting from the very, very uh, basic. And then I, I realized I thought this is going to take me like at least. <laughs> good couple of years do you know what i mean i was already i was like you know i was you know, heading towards my 40s i thought you know i'm not gonna if i get taken down it's gonna be all over <laughs> you know then there's the wrestling but there's, there's so much more involved and i actually found jujitsu quite complicated on on the it's quite complicated it can be yeah, yeah. especially it's if you're uh, playing a lot of gi game yeah so it was just um i thought i don't have the time to if i had another five, six years out of my sleep, I was, if I was younger, yeah, I would have made that transition. But um, mm -hmm. that's why I started. But in terms of, I enjoy now learning another martial art and just being a martial artist instead of just doing Muay Thai. That's really cool. Uh, do you plan to do any competitions in Jiu-Jitsu at all or not really interesting to you? Yeah, yes, because I'm, like I said, when I started kickboxing, how do I know it works? That's very good point. No. Um, <laughs> Even if I do one or two. <laughs> listen, I, I highly recommend it. I remember my first competition. Absolute unmitigated disaster. Completely just, I got injured two minutes in. Worst day of my life. Signed up for another tournament three weeks later. I won, I won that tournament. I got my blue belt two days later, and then it was my birthday. Yeah. So just a really good week that day, that week. That's awesome. Yes. I didn't I didn't compete as a white belt. I think um, when you get coached in Muay Thai and when they coach in BJJ, it's, it's complete. And I had to get used to the way they uh, teach. Mm -hmm. You get in, in Muay Thai, it's very you get that very one-on-one -on -one personal mm -hmm. time in BJJ. From what my experience, it's um, they they teach to everybody on the one yep. level, you know. And um, you may go to, to a tournament and your coach might not even be there, you know. That is something that uh, it is an interesting portion of, of BJJ because, like you said, you're teaching the whole class at the same time. And while the instructor will walk around to kind of like correct something they see wrong, it's like you're kind of on your own for most of it, unless you ask a question specifically. 
And almost every tournament I've gone to, I had no coaches there. And See, that, that, I, I couldn't understand that. It's kind of cool, though, because, like, when you do have a coach, I've noticed that when I do have a coach, I do so much better. So yeah. much better. So now I always make sure that I don't care if it's somebody who's worse than me or somebody who yeah. I kick their ass in the gym. I make sure to bring a friend who trains jiu-jitsu yeah. just because they're going to see things that I just can't see. It really yeah, does make a difference. What, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I'm used to having a team. you got a team in your corner. Mm-hmm. I don't expect them to fight the fight for me, but it's just something different when you have a team that's it just really there is. back in I, I, yeah. I train at Marcelo Garcia's in, in, in New York City. And I was in the New York Open, which is like one of the bigger tournaments actually that I was able to do. And I'm losing the match. And I just hear him yell, move, Ben, move. <laughs> no, nothing else, just move. And I won the match 30 seconds later. So See? it just yeah. makes a huge difference, especially because I can pick his voice out from a million voices, doesn't matter. And, and it's funny you actually say that because when I trained for a fight, I actually trained my team and my coach there are certain key words that i I like to hear Mm -hmm. and one of them was even when i was training and i I kind of like to keep a poker face as as soon as i look like i'm tired that i feel like my mind is starting to to let me down i just got a key word that they have to yell out and that's just to dig deep and that then i knew then that i had to pull out the heartstrings that i had to ramp it up a bit but so to have that on the outside too, come on, Cindy, dig deep. Then I, I knew with where I had to go. I That's knew awesome. when I knew when if they yelled out 30 seconds, I knew how hard I could go for 30 seconds. Right. So, so that makes a huge difference. Yeah, that, and that's actually really important, I guess, to know your fighter like that. Like to know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. It's really, really yeah. and that's one of the things that I learned from that moment. And something that I tell whenever I compete, whoever's there for me, like I always tell them, if you see me stop, just yell at me to move. Doesn't matter what I'm doing. Doesn't matter how good of a position, how bad of a position. Yell at me to move because I learned from that moment that I need that. Yes. So yeah. it was a great moment for me because that was also when I returned from an ACL injury. Uh, yeah. So that was my first match back in the exact same tournament I injured it in. So winning yeah. that match was like, Cool. Um, I, I want to um, actually, since you brought up MMA earlier, I want to actually just quickly pivot it towards that because um, one, I don't know how well closely you follow the sport at all, um, mm-hmm. but um, you uh, told, uh, you know, I was told by Schwan and you mentioned also that you trained with Valentina Shevchenko, who is the current UFC flyweight champion, very well known as a striker. So I want to ask you about your experience with training with her and also what it's like seeing somebody who comes from the exact same background you do to be uh, a champion at that level? Valentina, I had the privilege of uh, training with her back in 2009 at the mm-hmm. WMC camp in Thailand. We both actually won gold that year. Um, and we kept getting partnered up. So the trainers kept partner, <laughs> partnering up and partnering us up. But um, she was, I was 32 at the time. She was, I think, about 22. Like she's mm-hmm. only young, so I was a lot older. but. I have never experienced anything in my whole career, in my whole time training, ex- experienced the intensity that I got from Valentina in a uh, training session. That girl, she is hard and she's in, she's so respectful. She's so she's so lovely, but her training is just she's just on another level when it comes to that intensity. 
It's mm-hmm. like if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna train with her, it's gonna be a fight, but without right. getting hurt. That kind of makes sense. Yes. It, it's actually, that, I know exactly what you mean. It is that, it, and it's on all the time with her. It's on, but her but her timing to stand there in um in front of her, her timing with her hands is just next level. Like it's on another her striking with her hands. Her um, kicks, and, um, in terms of her Muay Thai skill, um, that didn't really face me as as much. But when when we're just boxing, I didn't enjoy getting punched by her. I can tell you that much. <laughs> and you and you're bigger than her, no? Yeah. So I I fought at sixty seven. She uh, she was two weight divisions down. Yeah. And she hit and, that hard. She she hit that hard. If she was in a fight with a seventy kilo guy, I would put my money on her. That's how. <laughs> and I, I'm not. I can't even find the words to to describe how intense she is and how and how good she is. Like she's she's amazing, an amazing have, athlete. Have you followed her MMA career along the way, or? Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy for her. That's so awesome. So happy for her. She was going places. Um, um, she won. You know, she's 17 Muay Thai champion. I, I lost count how many times she won the world championships in Thailand. That's, crazy. That's honestly you know? crazy. Um, she just she walked through everyone, but she's very intense. And but she she goes in she goes in for the kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the I guess the a question I'm curious about. Uh, I don't know how closely you follow MMA in general as opposed to uh, Valentina specifically. Have you seen uh, a, a fighter, uh, Loma uh, Lokbomi? I'm not pronouncing that correctly for sure. But um, uh, she's also a Thai, a, a, a Thai kickboxer as well who made the transition to MMA. She's at the strawweight division, though. Also very young, 24 years old. Yes. Uh, so you you know who I'm talking about? Yes, yes. Um, and this- go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, it's the same again. If you look at, um, so if you, if you take a look at, if they've come from Muay Thai and they've gone into MMA, how good their striking is. Oh yeah, it's a different level than than, than MMA striking. It's it's a different, it's you know, it's a striker. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, and that's a, that's an important thing you you just said that you you just said an MMA striker mm-hmm. as opposed to a uh, stri- and there is a difference, of course, between an MMA striker and actually. A, a, a striker. Um, I find with MMA, um, they had that bit of that broken posture, and I kind of cringe at. You know, <laughs> I kind of cringe at because if they just, um, if they were just a bit, if their posture was a lot stronger, not as unbroken, they'll be hitting and kicking harder. They'll be more effective in the in the stand up. But when you see, um, say, Valentina or a striker, you can see when they when they land. It's um, different. It's completely different. Are there um, fighters that you see MMA that that do uh, have proper posture or, or do strike more as if someone who who not necessarily coming from a striking background? For example, I'll give it. Uh, uh, I don't know how closely you follow Robbie Lawler. Um, yeah. I mean, before his I guess physical decline, but it is in his world title run. Uh, his boxing was just at a different level than virtually any other MMA fighter. His, the way he rolled with punches, the way he deflected and parried and 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 he slipped and just the way he fought. He looked like a boxer doing MMA. 
I guess is yeah. the best way to put it. So are there fighters yeah. like that that you notice who exhibit really good Muay Thai? Well, not yeah, Muay Thai. Um, the New Zealand fighter, Dan the Hangman. Dan Hooker. Yeah, he's yeah. Like probably one of my favorites. Like oh, he's, he's a blast. <laughs> he's a blast. He's all around, but his striking is phenomenal. His wrestling is great. His jiu-jitsu is good. And then he just fuses it all together. Um, I, I, I love watching him fight. I don't necessarily watch – I don't have a particular favorite fighter. Um, being a fighter, I like more the, the style of fighter. Mm-hmm. I like to watch it from a technical point of view, not just from just a, um, a brawl. Sure. Um, the other one is Amanda Nunes. She's yeah, she's amazing. That's the one yeah. thing Schwan hates me for, because every time that's the one time, because he he knows. Uh, I don't I don't know if you know his reputation, but he's known as like a WMMA guru. Like he just knows yeah. virtually everything there is to know about women's MMA. And the one thing that he consistently got wrong was I would constantly pick Nunez to win, and he would he picked her he picked Tate to beat her. He picked home to beat her, and I think he picked someone uh, someone else to beat her. And I was, I'm like three and zero. I'm like, that's my only claim to fame. I'm not letting you have this. I'm never betting with you again. <laughs> so, um, I, I love Amanda Nunes. I'm a huge fan of hers. Um, she's she's an all rounder, and and you know people kicked up a stink when uh, she won against Valentina twice. Saying people were mad, like really mad about that second fight specifically. Well, you know. It, I, I I constantly point out to people it's an MMA fight. It's not Muay Thai scoring. Right. It's not Muay Thai. And Valentina fought her the same way she fought her the first time, but Amanda changed her strategy. Right. That's what people don't realize. I said she got Valentina to come to her and she actually was offensive. Right. She didn't she didn't allow um Valentina to counterfight. And that's where Valentina's comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's that's a good point. To, yeah, sorry. To, to be able to go away and practice that and to come back and beat Valentina for the second time, because Valentina, her timing, I can't even put into words how, how good she is. Like, Amanda Nunes just went up again in my eyes. I just beat <laughs> Valentina. You know? So. People make the argument. Sorry. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Go, go. No, I was going to say people use the uh, argument that, well, Valentina is also smaller, so therefore they kind of like score things a little more heavily in that second fight for her because they're like, she's fighting the bigger woman, so we should score her things more heavily. I feel like at least that's kind of something I see when people are like arguing like, ah, oh, she took the women's bantamweight and women's featherweight fighter uh, champion to, to a decision that she arguably won while being a flyweight. So... I'm like, but that doesn't mean she won. It just means that she did really well. So it just shows you how good she is. Yes, that is true. Um, that just shows you that someone that's not even meant to be in that weight division, like almost won the fight <laughs> and matches them. It just shows as soon as Valentina dropped down, I, I said this. I said, no one's gonna beat her at that weight division now. Mm-hmm. What did no you think one. of the Ioana fight? Yeah, great. It's a great fight. Um, is the, the, I know you want to fought Valentina like three three times in Muay Thai and lost all three yeah. of them, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I guess the that was something. Is it is it really interesting? You know what? I'm actually going to ask you because uh, there, I was listening to some analysis of the fight and the argument was, I don't believe that 
a bad style matchup stops becoming a style a bad style matchup no matter how good you become later in your career mm. is that something that you've seen as well yeah yeah for sure for sure i i mean i enjoyed watching um valentino joanna fight like i could watch him again it's just you're two tired tie boxes going at each other but they've got so much respect for each other as well and they're and they're high level like people don't realize that these girls like are high level strikers and, and what they're doing is not easy not easy at all i want to actually ask you i don't know if you remember in the the weili zhang fight versus joanna um there there was this, apparently weili was was working with i don't remember who uh, that was working with a Thai boxer also and someone showed a video of her doing the work with the Thai boxer and executing it in the fight it was kind of like as you want to kicked there's kind of this this shift back with the with the foot I'm not really sure exactly to avoid the kick I'm not really sure exactly how to describe it but uh, so did you, she just did she just move back from but it was kind of like from the hips not like she didn't actually like jump backwards oh makes sense oh so basically she she just moved her front leg backwards a little bit without moving yes i guess yes. um uh, is that a is that a is that a common tie thing it, it is it's a, it's a common tie thing with where you want to stay in the pocket of of your fight without having to see as soon as you start moving backwards they have to follow you so you lose sometimes you you can miss that opportunity to counter Mm-hmm. But if you can kind of stay in the in the pocket and counter fight, you can still win points. Aha. Uh-huh. So it's basically a way of maintaining your presence in the pocket while still avoiding the strike that's incoming. Exactly. For example, are you familiar with the leg check when they bring their knee up to their elbow to block a kick? Yes. Yes. Okay. So you can't do that when you're running away. Right. So it's a way of keeping yourself grounded so you can do things like that. Of course. So you can you can either just move your your, your leg back slightly so the leg so um, the kick just misses you, and then you can counter or you mm-hmm. can leg check. Then you can counter, but you don't have to be moving away. But as soon as you start fighting backwards, you start losing a little bit of power too, because mm-hmm. you want your weight going forward. Right. So and meeting meeting the force coming forward with force and going forward is going to obviously cause a larger collision. And, greater right. transfer of energy and power um and you save and you save energy as well if you don't have to move too, right. too much so uh i guess my, uh, my last question uh kind of focuses on just muay thai in general and uh so if you were going to give advice to someone who i guess either like myself who has limited striking experience or somebody who's looking to enter it how would you recommend they do so what would you recommend they they do when doing so how hard to push themselves and you know an entry-level person what would you recommend that they do i mean obviously with covid kind of a difficult situation right now but in general is to um enjoy the process that's that's number one Mm -hmm. um rome wasn't built in a day that's number two so things are going to take time don't be hard on yourself if you can't pick something up straight away. Um, you progress at different rates to different people. Some people may pick up kicking a lot better. Some may don't compare yourself to where somebody else is at. And to focus on learning the actual technique. 
that that's the main thing like is the actual even I, i've been doing muay thai for 20 years and I, I went to thailand last year and i still learned something new that made that that move that just a little bit better do you know what i mean mm -hmm. so I can't stress enough the importance of just focusing. It's not about speed. It's not about power. It's focusing on, on how to actually throw the moves properly. And that's that's where you really need to concentrate on is the actual technique. Well, I mean, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to me because this has been just a phenomenal interview. I really enjoyed uh, talking with you. This is from someone who's limited in their experience with Muay Thai, this has been just an absolute joy. So first of all, before we sign off for anything, where can people find you? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, what's your handles? Uh, how could they find you? Please, any sponsors yeah, so you have also, anything you'd like to shout out? Yeah, so you can find me on on Twitter at JustCinda. Um, I've got my Instagram, which is just Cindy Marichick, you can find me on there. And same with on uh, Facebook. I mean, I talk to anyone and everyone pretty much. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty friendly. Awesome. Um, I'm very open. And what I really love, especially about um, social media, I do get people reach out to me critiquing, wanting me to critique their technique. They'll send me mm -hmm. videos. I'm more than happy if someone wants me to have a look at their technique to give them feedback. I'm more than happy to do that as well. Um, I love sharing my knowledge. So if I can help just a little bit, you know, in their um, journey, that makes me really happy. I'm gonna probably take you up on that offer. Um, yeah, definitely. I'm definitely gonna have to send it because there's a guy who wants to spar consistently and it, it probably couldn't hurt to have some someone with your experience to actually tell me what I'm doing wrong, what I'm doing right, how to improve. So uh, yeah. definitely. Look, I'll give you an example. I see a lot of people kicking and they put their posted videos and it's all about their leg. They get their leg around. The leg mm -hmm. hits the bag and the hip is kind of facing that way, but they don't realize that they need to actually lead with their hip. If you lead with your hip, your leg will come and that's where your power comes from. It's not in the leg. It's from the whipping motion as it comes around. Yeah, so try you hit first. <laughs> that's uh, that's going to that's be something I'm definitely going to try. I need a, uh, a bag before I, can, before I can send a video. I definitely want to send some uh, bag work and also that. But uh, for that, a, uh, that, that... That will be a game changer for you. If you. When you start kicking, you leave with your hip. I'm definitely going to have to practice that. And I'm probably going to do it wrong at first, so I'll have to okay. definitely correct it. You're um, meant to do it wrong. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, and I should know from the jiu-jitsu, the first few months were just hysterical. I saw video footage of my first few competitions. It's the funniest thing to watch uh, for me from now, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, before I sign off, I always I obviously have to shout out, um, obviously, my website. First of all, shout out to Schwan Humes. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, telling me to reach out to Cindy. This was great. So thank you, Schwan. Uh, make sure you go check him out on Twitter. Uh, great guy. Excellent insight into fighting, so really definitely check them out. Uh, make sure you check out thefightsite.com. Amazing articles, amazing content. The best analysts in combat sports today. Uh, you can check us out on Patreon. You get access to exclusive content. You get access to the Discord server. Tons of extra content you cannot get without it, so please go check it out. Really incredible stuff. Uh, check out the merch shop. It really does help us uh, as well. 
Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like the video, share it with your friends. Where you can find us on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and all that stuff. Hyperbrandfly.com is a just check it out at the bottom of the website. It's a brand that uh, sells jujitsu gear and and lifestyle stuff. It's really really great stuff as well. And I think I've got our sponsor and everything. But again, more importantly, Cindy, thank you so much for joining me. It was really absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for taking interest in my career and my journey. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I it was a blast. I, I could not be more happy with this interview. So thank you. I really do appreciate it. And uh, have a great day, not night, because yes. it's night for me, but it's yes. day for you. Yes. You have a